0: Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm a co-host, Davey, aka Davey
1: on the Run, a running enthusiast, influencer, and marathoner, and I love
0: everything about running. As passionate runners, we look to use our knowledge and draw on past experiences to provide you with cutting-edge science and insightful information. We are going to be unpacking the
1: fascinating topic of running with all stars, subject matter experts and everyday enthusiasts to not only help you improve your running, but also ensure that you experience maximum joy with every step that lies ahead in your journey, wherever that may take you. This is how runners
0: are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A coach is not necessarily there to motivate the athlete. The yeah. athlete needs to be motivated to achieve a certain goal. You can find a motivational speaker for that. Yes. And I think injury prevention is something that it's, it's a discipline. You know, we all love to run. But as some of my patients will tell me, rehabilitation is their ticket to running. As athletes, we look at injuries as something that happened, but they're stressors, right? So running is a stressor. But so is lack of sleep, so is a poor diet, so is ha- working. Running is a stress reliever. <laughs> yes, stress reliever to your mind, perhaps, but it's a stressor to your body, right? <laughs> Davey! Nicola! How are you, my friend? We are back, We're, bro. We are back. It's been a while. We haven't recorded in a few weeks.
1: It's been a while. We we hit it hard. We got a lot of content. Yeah. And then we sat back comfortably and yeah.
0: didn't do much. <laughs> we just published. I mean, we published bi weekly, consistently. We've had some great responses, overwhelmingly great responses from our, our listeners. We really appreciate all the support to everyone that's that has been listening. We seem to have built a pretty loyal uh, listenership, which is it's, it's nice to see. And obviously, what the work that we are doing is being appreciated in the community. So we're just glad to be able to provide this for you guys. Um, so yeah, keep the positive. And negative feedback coming if you have any. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> whoa keep, those, uh, keep the negative stuff to yourself. Okay, don't you give it to Davey. You know. can tell me. But <laughs> it's been a while since we've recorded a few. So we, we've got a few updates on on the guests that we've had. Yeah, um, some of our previous guests. Our previous guests have done brilliantly and all that they aspired. So I think we can start with, with Naheng. Naheng, <laughs> legendary Naheng. You you will remember that Naheng. Uh, it set in mind on a on a 10k in uh in Cape Town, the Absa 10k, which. She ended up running a PB of 32.06, 06. which is incredibly fast, incredibly fast. The SUTU uh, 10K record. Yep. So yeah, honestly. shout
1: out to Naheng. I, I do think she listens to these podcasts. Um, <laughs> We have kept quite a good relationship. So yeah, really, really well done. Super impressed.
0: Unbelievable effort. So. Yeah. Massive. Then we had uh Sean, Sean Clark. Cammy Cammy. On the go. <laughs> on the go. He, he ran his 21K. Um, yes He did a brilliant job He ran a 220 There in there about. Comfortable. He's still very well on the road too. As comrades, is going to be qualifying next next month, and uh, he ended up getting a nice Is next month? Eh? Which one's he doing? The Dolphin Coast Marathon.
1: It's in July. Yeah. Pl- sneaky little plug. That was that was unintentional. Yeah. I didn't know it was Dolphin Coast Marathon, but <laughs> so Dolphin right. Coast Marathon is <laughs> on the third of July. If anybody wants to enter, uh, tickets are still available. Get them on web tickets. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: going to be a beautiful race, guys. So make sure to to get your entry. And And uh, yeah, so he's still on on track for his uh, comrade's dream. And he also got a, a nice drop of ASICS gear along the way to help him get to his goal. Well, yeah, the, the, the team at
1: ASICS really saw some potential in this guy's story. I do think it is an amazing story. I think what he's trying to do, as we all know, is incredible. Definitely the most passionate runner I've ever met, <laughs> which is saying something. So, yeah, keen to keen to see it unfold. Yeah, once again, Gammy on the go. go. Go give him a follow. Um, really good stuff coming out from that
0: platform. And then we had an incredible woman, Joe Kepler. She she had the extremely inspiring story from ruin to running. And we've had Back some, from the Dead. Back from the Dead. And again, we've had some awesome feedback from that. I was just telling Davey now off air how one of our listeners actually told us that he forwarded that message onto or the podcast onto one of his friends that had been struggling with addiction for a while. And after listening to that podcast, his friend decided that it was time to go back into rehab and try the whole process again. So it's awesome. I mean it it's yeah. incredible to see that we are able to actually get these stories out and, yeah. and help people along the way.
1: Yeah, that gave, that story gave me goosebumps. I know Leah, our executive producer over here, also was really touched by that. Yeah,
0: um, and I mean, Joe Kepler. Prior to that, uh, she was telling us about her aspirations at UTD, which was the 100 mile race, which she in turn ended up winning, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tying first, <laughs> tying first. Uh, which I mean, I think speaks so much of Joe's character. And, um, yeah, so it, I mean, it's incredible to see that woman really just achieve things. Yeah. And um, we're very excited to follow her journey. And
1: good luck to Joe on her journey as now a pro athlete. Yeah, um, for I sure. do believe she's entering into UTCT at the end of the year. Oh, no.
0: No. She's got the Drakensberg Grand Traverse. Yes. So DGT. DGT. Okay. You keep okay. on forgetting that one. I do forget that Stop one. Stop giving shout-outs to all these racists, Davey. <laughs> send, send me free entries, please. <laughs> maxi race, Maxi race. You got a twenty percent coupon. <laughs> Listen, um, oh, let's, well, let's mention your PB, Davey. I mean, that's on the list as well. You were you were stressing a lot about this uh, one fifteen oh, marathon. Remember that? I, think I, know, I was. Well, like, sure. I think I
1: was stressing for best of the best. I think this one I had, I didn't put like too much pressure on myself, which was actually like one of the biggest changes that I, that I unintentionally made was I sort of just went into that race knowing that I could do better than my previous time, which was at 119. I, I knew, you know, definitely I, I had it in my legs. Um, I was definitely better than that. But I also just didn't get into my head too much about it. I didn't suck myself up and it turned out to be, One of the, yeah, it was probably the the second most incredible race I've ever had. Obviously, at the moment, uh, Cape Town Marathon, that was just unbelievable. But this one was also just, um, everything unraveled so nicely. weather was beautiful. The route was unbelievable. It was a perfect morning. It was a really perfect morning. So, I ended up doing a... 116 and a couple seconds, so it wasn't that 115 that I hoped for, but nevertheless I was I was over the moon with it. Hey, I really 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 was just
0: so happy. I took it, grabbed it, and ran. Yeah, I mean you you really impressed me in that race. I think it's quite incredible to see the potential that you have to sort of just break through certain barriers mentally mm. and like on race there anything can happen for you it's, exactly it's really uh, it speaks a lot about the type of character that you put out on the road there and that run was exactly like that i mean the fact that you didn't have the ideal build up to that run either because yeah. you tried to race a couple of weeks before <laughs> it's essentially but you still went out there and tried again and you had to prove it to yourself and it just shows that you know you set your mind to something yeah, uh, the chances are that it can happen yeah um Next up is comrades. That's, yeah, yeah.
1: That's, we <laughs> that's that's the big ticket item for you. Currently,
0: the year. as we record, we are three months out of comrades. Uh, we have been training pretty much the whole so year.
1: It's a fierce competition in this training camp that Nick and I have formed. <laughs> We're meant to be teammates. <laughs> But there's a lot of like under, <laughs> under the table, uh,
0: kicking and, and stabbing going on. I think Davey just... Uh, this, this <laughs> all on this, my side. <laughs> I think it's all Davey, honestly. <laughs> there's no pressure from my side. I just spend
1: my day on Strava, like just constantly refreshing, trying to see what has Nick done today. And I look at it and I'm like, okay, I've still, I've still ran more than he has. Yeah. But yeah.
0: last week, tell us how far you ran. Uh, too much 120. 128 kilometers it Makes me sick And what uh, did I do? Oh <laughs> uh, I didn't check the stats <laughs> Davey
1: I'm not looking behind my shoulders Boy <laughs> I ran <laughs> 60 Ks Also because We had another Monsoon In slowty. <laughs> Apparently just over slowty. It's gonna make for a tough athlete Bro Can I tell you I think I'm picking up cholera From training in Amschloty <laughs> Is it cholera?
0: I don't know
1: I think it is cholera <laughs> Everyone's taking a pause here. I'm trying to figure out E. coli, maybe. E. coli! Okay, let's cut that out. (laughs) Do you have the runny runny shittle, or what is it? (laughs) Funny story. Can I quickly take us on a a, Yeah, sure. Why not? The first time we had the floods, I did have a bit of the unhappy tummy syndrome, and obviously then... The Our our water got turned off. Uh, So... I don't know if anyone listening to this has ever had the, the predicament, which I doubt you have, of having, you know, the shits and then also having to flush a toilet with a bucket of water. It is so intimate. And this is, Anyways, you can choose if you want to keep that. I mean, this is
0: making a runner. This is uh, <laughs> this is the real stuff behind runners, it guys.
1: Is. I just want to ask: You came to our house how many times? Shower <laughs> how many times? <laughs> did you use my the less toilet? you know, the less you know. <laughs> at, this okay. stage,
0: at this stage, Davey was using our house as a post-run hobble. He was, he if was you want to go there? I'm going to
1: tell everyone listening okay, about okay, okay. the okay. setup let's, let's of your on. bathroom. Let's huh? move on.
0: Whoever designed <laughs> that bathroom deserves to get their their we can't do do anything about the setup (laughs) either way okay through adversity we Mm -hmm. have uh, been pretty committed to our our comrades training it's been going really well we've been progressing nicely we've been slowly really just picking up the mileage now with three months to go we're really starting to build up to that peak mileage where we then will slowly start to bring it back down and it's been an incredible journey i'm learning a lot personally or myself through mm. this i'm almost like using my, myself as a as a test dummy mm. to see what what my body is capable of doing i feel like you know i've i've got a pretty decent idea of how my body handles exercise and how it reacts to certain things so through it all through the research that i'm doing i'm trying to figure out what is best for us going forward mm. and it's been an interesting journey to to see you develop as well and it's amazing that now we're sort of at the stage where you know a, a 2 hour run is yeah, very yeah, comfortable. two hours. That's yeah.
1: that's on the bottom end of the scale. Yeah. I that's think also for me, it's been you know, you we're getting into the area of um, really testing your commitment to the whole program. I think um, life happens. I'll give you an example, it's my birthday this weekend, you're going away. You know, we have weekends, we, we don't want to train a lot on the weekends, so you're going to make decisions. I mean. Nick and I are training, we're doing about 120 Ks a week at the moment, you know, at not really our our peak, Mm -hmm. but it it is fairly high. And I think, you know, the one thing I've realized is whilst I love running so much, it's a lot of commitment training for comrades in the sense Mm -hmm. that you've just got to keep it going and you've just got to get the mileage in and you may not want to get the mileage in. You may not want to do that double run. You may not want to go for that long run, but suck it up get it done because on race day you're going to have no time for excuses so I think we're building a lot of character at the moment Um, Yeah,
0: and it's a lot of sacrifice as well I mean Leah and I were talking the other day you know it's a lot of sacrifice for your loved ones sacrifice in terms of business development and and work in general like if if you're trying to burn your candles at all ends it never ends well so you have to have the right support structure or you have to be able to make a plan and understand that certain things take priorities at certain points of time and be able to make those decisions So, off of the conversation that we're having, I think it brings the topic of today's discussion nicely into play, as we are going to be talking a little bit about this art of coaching. And remember, Andrew Boyan speaking about the art of running coaching, which is essentially the main focus of today's podcast. Very
1: multifaceted.
0: Multifaceted. We're going to be looking at a few different elements of it. So, the coaching side of it, big element. The strength training, I firmly believe. Is which extremely I'm doing important. very little. Yeah. On that moment. <laughs> so yeah. we, can, we can talk about that or yeah. is that a touchy subject? No, we can. Well, definitely talk about it. <laughs> definitely talk about it. Davey's been traveling a lot. So I think it's also about managing priorities. Yeah. Uh, there's a big element of that. I mean, if, if you're a runner that only has X amount of time, yeah. Are you benefiting more from doing some strength training or are you benefiting yeah, we, more from doing an hour of running? Yeah, especially so,
1: when training for marathons. Yeah,
0: so we can chat about that. And then I also just want to get a little bit into running form because it's it's common questions that I get during my my daily life, you know, working as a bio but also dealing with a lot of athletes in general. I think running form and, and having an understanding on on how to run better more mindfully is often an easy way to try and improve performance without necessarily getting fitter or stronger so we can chat a little bit about running form and also bearing in mind that that is a sort of metric that improves over a period of time and there is definitely no perfect running form but you can become more efficient anybody can become more efficient
1: so I think that's that's a really nice little um, bunch of topics to touch on, especially for someone that is training for comrades, uh, the ultimate human race, and wants to sort of learn a bit more about it. So where do you want to start?
0: We can start off with the, the coaching element. I think, you know, it's a common question. Should you have a coach? Do you need a coach? I think coaching
1: if- is also relatively new, would would you not say? Because I don't remember... like two three years ago or maybe i just wasn't in the space but mm. is coaching quite a new thing is it, is it becoming more relevant to your everyday runner because i think a lot of people hear the word coach and think oh
0: i don't need a coach i'm mm. not an elite runner is it something that an everyday runner needs look i think it there's definitely elements where someone might benefit from a coach and there's elements where people can if if disciplined enough they can probably follow a plan and and still get similar improvements. You know, a coach is not necessarily there to motivate the athlete. The yeah. athlete needs to be motivated to achieve a certain goal. You can find a motivational speaker for that. Yes. The coach is there sort of for the athlete to have back and forth conversations with someone that is knowledgeable about the topic of running and can guide them in the way of, you know, making the right decision. It's okay to take a rest there. It's okay to, you know, push your run later. It's okay to change your schedule around because I think a lot of people look at a schedule and they think, <laughs> okay, that is it. It's concrete. Yeah. I can't change it. If I if I, if I I move something, yeah. it's going to throw everything else off along the way. And it's not the case. You know, I, I mean, you see the way I coach you, Davey, and it's… it's it's a pretty much relaxed way, I mean, I, I think. I know I know there's a lot of coaches that aren't so relaxed, but the, at the end of it, you have to manage the human element.
1: Yeah, I think we've found a pretty good groove. I do throw quite a few curveballs at you, uh, but that's the one thing is that, you know, also for me, sometimes I don't have time to, to think about, you know, my week and what I'm going to be doing with that running program. Uh, so it does help, help having, you know, someone who knows what you're training for, what
0: you're going to do that's going to get you the best results Mm. and there's different ways of coaching someone you know so personally i have two very common ways it's it's either i'll give someone a plan to follow and expect them to sort of give me feedback on how the plan is and that would be sort of a less time consuming way from my end where i would expect an athlete to be doing a lot of the work and they would have to be quite accountable to it because i wouldn't be checking up on them And then there'll be more of like an individual coaching element where I'm literally, I'm the athlete's coach Mm. and I'm dealing with that athlete probably on a day to day basis, if not daily, every second day. And we constantly in conversation, trying to figure out the best way forward for this individual. Yeah. And if you're someone that needs that sort of discipline and needs a plan and know that there's someone out there that's sort of watching you, making sure that you are ticking the dots, uh, then that's where coaching is for you. If you're yeah. someone that's pretty well motivated, someone that someone that knows their body, someone that is able to understand the plan and apply it, then you don't necessarily need a coach. So I think there's elements of coaching that are new, but coaching is an old art, you know, for every athlete there is essentially someone creating the plans for those athletes. Yeah. And uh, I think coaching nowadays has become very mainstream as you mentioned, and I think it's Due to the fact that it's it's a lot more accessible through these online stats that you can get through apps like Strava, Garmin, yeah. I training think the peaks. running
1: the running scene has also just blown up in the last couple of years, and I think that's also largely to do with social media. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of people that want to start running. Running events have gotten bigger, mm. um, so yeah. I think I think there's just a lot more awareness in the in the running community in general, for sure.
0: And also, you know, the coach is able to look at an individual make sure that plan that they design is a hundred percent suited to other individuals. So you might find some individuals might benefit more from doing a lot of just easy running, very yeah. low quality type work and just focusing on building up the mileage. Some others will want to have certain aspirations where there is an element of quality work that needs to be added to that training plan. And I think there isn't a sort of, golden formula i know a lot of people talk about 80 20 principles uh spending a lot of time in your zone two aerobic zones but you know there isn't a gold standard with that there's a there's a lot of different sort of schools of thoughts in the world of running but generally speaking for an endurance sport like what we are doing i mean an ultra marathon but even any distance between 10k and up you're generally finding that best results are seen where people follow a plan that is specific to doing a lot of easy running with added a little bit of quality work. And I think that's an element that al- most runners get wrong, especially new runners or runners that haven't been coached before. They tend to spend too much time doing <laughs> sort of incorrect training yeah. or training a little bit too hard, but not hard enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Nick, as the, as the coach, what would your one top tip to anybody listening
0: be so I think my top tip in that case would be trying to work on your running form and, and get someone to take a look at how you're running. Um, it, a lot of us... So do a, a run
1: ana- analysis.
0: Yeah, running gait analysis or even just get a, f- a friend of yours to take a video of you whilst running or when you're running and you catch a glimpse of yourself on a puddle <laughs> or on a, on a mirror or a window, just, just make a note of how you look because I think that's an easy element to work on it takes time it takes years becoming aware of what you're doing wrong and how you could potentially be doing it better yeah. is a quick fire way to becoming a more um, efficient runner efficient and potentially injury free runner yeah. so then what would your key points be uh, surrounding uh, running running form so there's a few elements that you look at running form and you know running form is is pretty subjective there's there's obviously the elements of morphology human morphology so some it, what <laughs> don't, don't the, say that like I'm, I'm supposed to know what morphology okay is. simple things like limb length so davy if Lim you length. limb length so if you got a long femur <laughs> the bio for, is fe- coming out biomechanics okay so a quick biomechanic. so hold on what's it mo, mo Mor- morphology morphology and limb length limb length so, go. so what is limb length right it's it's the length of your limbs yeah okay. i know that what is that determined in your legs it's the length of your femur and the length of your tibia <laughs> so someone might have a predispositionally <laughs> long femur mm-hmm. and that will make their legs longer essentially mm-hmm. right so you might get someone that has got better biomechanics for running and their their stride length is naturally going to be longer uh to someone that's got poorer biomechanics for running okay that so there's sense. that element of running form could have so, just said that I was I, I was working around <laughs> it. you wouldn't left me it's morphology, morphology, now you know something new, word or well, it makes sense now because it's morph morphing, yeah okay I don't know, I don't know about that, but either okay. way uh, so that's that's a big element that changes from individual to another individual, right, so what your running form looks like versus someone that's you know twenty centimeters shorter than you and has perhaps shorter limbs than you, yeah. Coaching the same thing to that individual might not benefit them the most.
1: So, then, like looking at uh, kipchoge is he like perfect, more (laughs) followed G? Okay,
0: drop the word, Davey. Drop the word. (laughs) But he's got pretty good biomechanics, right? So, you look at him and it's a dream. You look at him running and it's like, wow, that guy's looking so easy. But meanwhile, he's running at two minutes, 15 us How you really feel? Well, it's, it's true, right? So certain individuals look easy whilst they run, whilst other individuals look like they're working whilst they're running. Leah putting her hand up. Yeah. That's <laughs> <yeah>. me. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's something that can be worked. But essentially, that's an element that as a as a biokineticist, as a running coach, I've got to look at it and try and figure out what is going to be best for this individual.
1: So but can you take somebody with a really bad biomechanics, not morphology, biomechanics, yes. Good work. and can you, can you sort of make them into kipchoge
0: or so you you, can work towards something like that it depends on what element of kipchoge you're looking at is Mm. that the the freakishly (laughs) large aerobic capacity uh, or cardiovascular monster that he is or is it the the leg leg length that you're never going to get or is it sort of a reminiscent of a similarity in his running stride where you know his foot is landing underneath his knee his back is uh, his back leg is triple extending upon toe off those are elements that you know you you can coach to a runner yeah. by simply going through a gait analysis you know Davey you've done a gait analysis but generally the way i take someone through it is I get them to run at a comfortable pace and then I get them to run a little bit faster and I show them the differences between when they are picking up the speed and when they are just sort of taking it easy so if someone can understand those differences and the main differences we're essentially looking at are four different elements of the gait cycle the first element being when your foot lands the second element is when your foot is directly underneath you so your midst dance phase third element is when you're about to take off so when you're towing off with your back foot and then the fourth element is what is your foot doing on the way back to landing so the recovery phase yeah now in each one of those phases I'll coach my athletes to understand what is most important about that phase why it's relative how it impacts their performance and how it impacts their injury incidence and if I can make them aware of certain biomechanical issues that they have that they can then work on over time in their running mm-hmm then that's, that's a safe way to get them to improve. And the main things that I see are overstriding. Overstriding is probably sure, very yeah. common in about 90%, I'd even say, of I runners think, that uh, I see.
1: <clears throat> I, I think I was very, very... I think I probably still do have quite a big overstride because I used to think the longer your stride... Because, yes. I mean, you, you look at, like, elite runners... You look at them, they look like gazelles. They're like, yes. boom, boom. They're just like floating through. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, look how big their stride is. So then I was like, mm, big stride is good. Yeah. But then you get onto the conversation of cadence. Yes. And I mean, cadence is the amount of times... Uh, your feet hit the ground. Is the amount of energy being produced, and the faster you go. So yeah, it's good to have like a good a good stride length, but obviously you need to be hitting the ground as as fast as you possibly can.
0: Yeah. So the best way to think about it is cadence should be the metric that stays the same. So whether you're running fast or you're running slow, you should be striving to have a higher cadence. But the stride length is what sort of opens up as you're trying to pick up your speed with your running. But if you have a fast cadence, what is what that's going to ensure is it's going to make sure that your foot lands underneath your knee. Now, regardless of whether your foot lands on your heel, lands on your forefoot, lands on your toe, um, there's certain different elements of each one of those that is good and bad. But as long as your foot is landing underneath a slightly bent knee, then that's classified as a non-overstride, which then means that you're not going to be wasting energy, first of all. And you're not also going to be putting a lot of energy back into your body. So you're going to decrease chances of injury. Yes. So that's the first and most important thing that runners can do.
1: So coach, please, when I first came to you, I was was told I was a over over-prinati- overprenating runner. I came to you in a stability shoe. Can you quickly explain to me the difference between overpronation neutral and what are the other ones because supernation is supernation so i know nothing about so
0: pronation is the natural movement of your foot collapsing inwards upon landing if you look at kipchoge running he pronates it's natural really it's your body's way of putting your foot back into line with your big toe so that you can toe off overpronating and if you overpronate you technically need a
1: stability issue
0: Technically, but I wouldn't personally recommend a stability shoe unless it's someone that's got extremely poor biomechanics, extremely poor collapsed arch of the foot. And then even then, the stability shoe is not necessarily going to help. It's more likely going to be due to biomechanical issues that can be corrected up the kinetic chain, as well as uh, orthotics that will potentially do a lot more. So someone in a neutral shoe with the orthotics, preventing them from overpronating will be more beneficial than a Stability shoe Essentially All a stability shoe does Is It's got a little wedge That's a little bit harder In the midsole So it prevents the foot From collapsing a lot But it's like I often describe it As making a horse Get to the water And trying to force it To drink Your foot's going to collapse and it's not necessarily going to stay in line. It might still collapse even further. So orthotics will support your foot a lot better than that. But then there's also biomechanical exercises that I do as a bio that will sort of correct that over a long period of time because I firmly believe that that's the best way to go about it in terms of correction over time, you know, the long-term solution. The short-term solution, the orthotics are most likely just going to make the feet even weaker. And over time, the problem is going to get worse and worse if you don't do some form of strength
1: yeah okay and super pronation what did you say
0: super nation, super nation. so super nation you don't really want because that's your foot rolling outwards essentially yeah so pronation is foot rolling in super is foot rolling super out nation. and if your foot rolls out then you're rolling onto your lesser toes and we call that a low gear toe off it's essentially mm. like you know in your in your manual that just car, sounds sore I'm, well i'm doing that with my foot now yeah, if you're in your manual car trying to pull up a hill and you're starting in third gear, it's probably <sighs> not going to go so well. Super Nation. So what shoe do you need for a Super Nation? So, uh, don't have an answer for that. Just don't run. No, no, there's always elements. Uh, again, it comes down to, I think, a neutral shoe and having the right orthotic if you're supinating so much, but it's unlikely to be the case. It is not a common thing. It's uh, If you're supinating, you're most likely rolling your ankle. Yeah. You probably need a little bit of ankle stability. The pronation, like I said, it's a natural fall of the foot inwards. If you look at any elite runner, that foot does collapse. It's not necessarily going to lead to an injury. The problem comes in is, and again, with injury incidents, you find that faster runners don't get as injured as slower runners. And it's it comes down to that metric of cadence that we were talking about fast runners have a fast cadence so what a fast cadence also equals is a quick ground contact time so you're spending less time on the ground there's less chance for the foot to collapse less chance for the knee to collapse less chance for the hips to collapse so you that's why it comes down to having a faster cadence and that being a positive yeah if we then move on to the next important thing with the gait analysis is the lean leaning forward is the most important thing that runners can do and if you become forward if you become efficient at leaning forward you will naturally maintain a faster pace yeah. without using as much energy yeah and i'm sure you felt that
1: oh i you i often hear you at track sessions uh, screaming at me telling me to lean forward so so you know i know do, you, do i do it
0: is that what you No i don't me? do it
1: i'm probably yeah. the worst person to give advice to because it goes in one ear and out the other
0: so i think Davey, why you struggle so much with understanding that lean perspective when you are at track it comes down to perhaps the element that you haven't done that much strength training in the last few months, call it. Mm-hmm. But also, it's, it's a weakness of your posterior chain because that lean, most people get it wrong as they, they feel like they are leaning, but they're just sending their shoulders forward, right? The best way to describe the lean is that your body falls forward at the ankle level. So, a nice cue to give people is nose over toes, so you want to <laughs> try and keep your nose over your bros toes before and your nose? nose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, boy. <laughs> <word>. Nose for more toes <laughs> and bros for more
0: Sorry, carry on. Okay, Davey. Well, <laughs> your, your fiance is going to be very hey, disappointed. Hey, in her hey, hey! T- t- some banter. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to ask if that's part of his. Yeah, What yeah. <laughs> am okay. my waiting speech. Bros before. Hose. <laughs> oh, that guy. That, that guy. I he knows care. what I'm talking he about. he's got it. Nose over toes is a cue. The reason why you say that. Carry on. <laughs> Nose over toes. Nose before toes. No. Okay. Nose over, over toes. toes. Not bros before.
1: Okay. Nose yeah. over
0: toes. Okay. Nose over toes, right? It's a lean from your ankles. You want to feel like you're falling forward. Running is all about generating momentum in a forward direction. So if you're standing very upright when you're running, first of all, you're not sending yourself forward. You're sending yourself half up, half down. So you're not becoming as efficient as possible. Also, the moment you start to lean forward from your hips, so try and send your hips forward, you will find... Is why we do hip thrusters at gym? 100%, boy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> We do those, we do all those glute muscle strengthening exercises, deadlifts, squats, uh, you know, any sort of thrusting movement from the hip is a great way to become efficient at leaning. Because what I personally find when I'm running, and if I feel like I'm running like trash, I probably find myself sitting backwards. It's almost like sitting on a high slouching. Slouching. Uh, yeah. So your chest goes forward, your sort of shoulders collapse, your hips fall backwards and you just don't feel like you're getting you're, any momentum I'm in a the big forward. sloucher. Yeah, you're
1: slouching so comfy though. Yeah, maybe I'm uh,
0: slouching right now. Look at me. Yeah, but now you you're in race mode. I don't look at When you when you're in race mode, you're not so it's important to maintain that forward lean. What that forward lean then does, and it helps a lot, is the next phase of the running gait cycle. Swing your arms. Not quite. So arms are important. That's something I can do. Yeah, That's yeah. You've been I doing. Do you've been doing your sprinter arms. Yeah. Do do a set for me very quickly, Watson. <laughs> Okay. For those of you not in studio with us, (laughs) baby is almost falling off off of his chair trying to do some sprinter arms. But yeah, the arms are an important element, especially when you find yourself fatiguing. Moving the arms really quickly also helps you maintain a fast cadence. So for someone that is struggling to improve their cadence or speed up their cadence, you got to think about pulling your arms backwards. And, you know, it's not a straightening and extending movement of your your bicep and tricep. So it's not your elbow that's moving. It's your whole shoulder that's Pulling backwards and going forward. Pulling backwards and going forward. So the pull of the arms is what we call it. But if we move on to the next phase, which is essentially leaning directly after the lean, excuse the pun, <laughs> uh, it's it's the triple extension of your leg when you're about to toe off. So if you look at those very fast runners or someone that's trying to run fast, you'll find that they have this beautiful back stride. Oh, what, where, I wanna, what I want to know desperately is how do I get my... My heel to touch my bum. Okay, so. (laughs) Because that's like when you've made it. So that's mobility based as well. So if you've got good hip mobility, you'll be able to get your heel that close to your bum. And what what we find is that faster runners obviously get a much bigger heel kick. And what that heel kick does is it allows that foot to land directly underneath your body a lot more efficiently. So how to get a better heel kick, that comes from having that, power that explosion that sends you forward and the best way to describe that explosion is it's very basic science it's for every equal action there's a positive and negative reaction oh i don't
1: know we're not science that was that was uh what's that from the Tinder swindler (laughs) so for every action the Tinder swindler
0: said that though i'm sorry for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction So for every push into the floor with your back foot, you're going to be pushing yourself in a forward Forward. direction, right? So the more efficiently you can push into that floor, so the more efficiently you push yourself forward, essentially, you're going to get a much better sling of your leg and it's going to drive your foot backwards and upwards towards the underside of your bum, right? And if you become really efficient at that pull is what we call it. It's actually pulling the floor to drive you forward. That's how you get that foot to really lift up, nice and high, and land in a good position.
1: So my uh, question to you would be: Can you do any of this at an easy pace?
0: So you can't. So you exactly you, why I don't run easy. Boom. Mark drop. You can't drop out of that the mark. Studio. Sorry, you can't do it. So you can't
1: do any of that when you're running. So easy.
0: you can. You can work on the movement pattern on of, it, of it. You're not going to get as much explosion, of course, because you're not trying to run at four. Or three minutes, a K, but you can certainly practice the right behavior. So, the right behavior being the leaning forward, the trying to be explosive and meaningful with your foot as you're trying to drive that knee upwards, and then making sure that your foot lands in a good position underneath the, the knee. And, you know, after the push off the floor, so now you've towed off, what happens to that foot? It drives upwards. So you then need to sort of be able to drive your knee nice and high. So if you've had a good explosion off the floor, your knee is naturally going to float quite high, but you find a lot of people don't get that natural explosion. So what happens? They have to sort of drive their knee forward. They have to use a lot of their hip flexors, their hips and the anterior part of the hips get very tight and their momentum sort of Falls backwards. So that's where the biggest mistake comes in. If you've got weakness in your posterior chain, being your glutes, your hammies, your calves, your Achilles is not firing correctly, you're going to utilize a lot of those anterior muscles, your quads, your hip flexors, and you're going to sort of bypass that whole process. And that's going to sort of make you stand very upright and it's also going to make you overstride. So it just sort of fuels the fire of that bad running gait. Mm. So That's why strength work is also extremely important at becoming more efficient as a runner. Got it. So, so that's another part you know certain runners are better at taking advice than others and that's as a coach something that you have to take into consideration you know the cues that i'm going to give davy are going to be completely different to the cues that i'm going to give an individual that's just starting out and they're going to be completely different to an individual that's heavily experienced and, and has good knowledge about the human anatomy so i think that's a big element that i have to play around with and sort of realize when i'm when I'm giving the feedback or the gait analysis, how in-depth can I go? How much is that athlete going to take? And, you know, sometimes it's just one thing. I'm going to give them one thing to work on, come back in a month, let's work on something else. Yeah. Sometimes I can give them three things and, you know, by next week they already have them. So everyone's an individual. It comes back to the conversation of coordination that we had in our in our first podcast. And a crowd runner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, we've established that Davy's coordinational skills...
1: Is shocking, non-existent.
0: Well, it would be better if he did a little bit more strength training. If I just came to strength classes. Uh, so Davey's been a bit busy uh, traveling traveling around the country, and the strength classes have, have taken a dip. He's maybe attended one a week for the last month.
1: <laughs> and, and I'm I, proud of that number, okay?
0: Yeah. Uh, look, one's better than none. One's that,
1: better than none.
0: <laughs> that's what I'll tell people. But strength training really does play a big role in technique because, and this is the best way that I can describe it, if you're a runner that wants to improve, yes, work on your form. But now if I'm giving you three or four things to go and work on, when you're going running, you sort of get lost like do you pick up your cadence? Do you try to get your feet to land? Yeah. Do you lean forward? Do you extend your leg properly? Like wh- where do you start? Yeah. So what I often say is strength training is sort of your ticket to being able to mindlessly go and run. Because yeah. in a strength session, we can really focus on the integrity. We can make sure that you know you are just doing this exercise to work on your glutes yeah. activation so that you can get a better lean. And then when you go running, all of a sudden you, you have that sort of pathway that's been activated while strength training.
1: I think for me also the one big like notice- noticeable point was the fact that I used to cramp a lot. And Nick kind of said, listen, uh, I think you're cramping because a lot of your muscles are not developed enough and you're very weak in certain areas. I've been strength training for probably, what, like six, seven months now. Uh, I was pretty consistent. But the point is that I no longer cramp nearly as badly. And that has all got to do with My strength training, I think strength training when you're in the gym, you know, you're showing up each day building, building those muscle groups that you don't notice um, a difference right away. Mm. But two, three months down the line, uh, you're, you're a fixing, you know, potential injury issues. And B, you are making yourself a more efficient runner. So, for me, if I go out and I try and speed up my cadence, you know, it's it's so hard because it's it's difficult to get that in in your mind. So you, you really are better off in the gym working on that and making small gains over a long time that are just going to make you a better overall runner.
0: But I think those small gains is something that you know we work with in running as well. You know, you're not going to start running today and, and be able to run comrades next week or even yeah. 5k next week. That's why I love running. To be honest, it's what Tell you me. put what you Tell put in is what you're going to get out. It's yes. directly related to what you get out. Yeah. So, someone that doesn't put enough in, they're never going to be expecting something. But you got
1: to put the right stuff in. Got you got to you can't just go and run yourself to death.
0: For sure. And there's a, there's a big element of knowing what the right stuff is. But if you do just a little bit of research, you'll figure what that is. The basic principle behind it is you should probably spend a lot more time running slow than running yeah. hard. And, and yeah. it's funny how that's going to make you run Faster in the long term.
1: That's something that I struggle <laughs> with. It really is an issue of mine.
0: Yeah, it's something <sighs> that I, I I get on the phone to Davey on a weekly basis and and shout at him. Sometimes I don't speak to. No, him you for don't shout anymore. No, you've come to terms with it. And I just the silent treatment is better.
1: <laughs> well, you see, the thing is that I keep telling myself that if I can just justify four thirty, k being my easy pace then I would be a much better runner. But he hasn't quite bought into that ideology yet and still tells me I'm just running too fast.
0: And I'm like, no, it's easy. Meanwhile, I'm dying. Yeah, well, what what is easy, Davey? Let's, let's unpack that. <laughs> we'll you want to go there. It, it can be different for different people. Actually, yeah, what is easy? Ne? So easy can be an effort level. If it we're
1: could, going heart rate based, what's easy?
0: Uh, anything, anything under 130. Well, for you, uh, mm. probably, yes. Below 130 but I, I could even say even higher but i know if i get you going any higher than 130 because of the way that you're built and the way that you run you're going to be able to run close to four minutes a k at about 100 148 so i'm not gonna say that to you <laughs> <laughs> i'm not say that. So. yeah one but it's, eh? it's hard because an effort level you got to look at three different specific elements so the elements that you look at are pace number one second element is heart rate third element is effort so between those three elements, somewhere in between there lies the the true effort level of that session. And you know it's it's difficult to say because what your but heart on, dri- isn't pace and effort directly correlated. They can be. They also might not be, because I'm telling you to to go and run easy. That's an effort, but your pace is not reflecting an easy effort. Right?
1: That that's what's happening to me.
0: Yeah, that's my predicament <laughs> my pace isn't matching my effort so to go back to your original question now I'm not going to get too deep into what I'm saying but to answer the original question easy is a conversational pace so you should be able to have a full-on conversation with somebody whilst running when you stop that run you should just be able to sort of stop without yeah. necessarily feeling like you've Binge just over. <laughs> done an effort right if you're feeling like you've done an effort you, you're not going easy and in our heart rate zone you generally want to say below 75 percent of your heart rate max is easy i'd say close to 60 to 70 but again that's not a proven science because then what is your max heart rate Uh, have you tested your max heart rate there's different formulas to manage what the max heart rate is so i'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of that but but the important thing is the effort level is crucial also when doing a session you might get lost because say now if you do a quality session and I make you do 30-second repeats, but I give you a big rest in between, by the end of the session, that effort level might be whatever, a four, the perceived effort level, a four out of 10. But if we then go and look at the session, when you were doing those 30 seconds, it wasn't a four. It was a 10 out of 10. Sure. But because you had a big rest in between, it made you feel like you were going a lot easier. If you look at the breakdown of paces, you might find that you would have spent 40% of your time at a faster pace, yeah. but it doesn't reflect in your other zones. Yeah. So are you, are you following? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's <laughs> so a lot. It's a lot. Like, it is a lot. So again, I don't want to get stuck into that, but the main thing is if you're a runner that's wanting to improve aerobically, it, aerobically is an exercise activity that requires oxygen, which running is anything longer than 100 meters essentially will require that. You need to do a lot of aerobic work, which is work done between zone one and zone two on your heart rate. Effort level, very easy. Pace zone, I'd say between a minute to 90 seconds slower than what your perceived race pace would be. So say you recently, what was your marathon? 3.55? 3.50? Which one? Average pace, Cape Town? Yeah, 3.55. So if I look at that, you know, between 455 and 525 should be your recovery paces. Oh, really? And you're not spending much time getting close to five. No. Right. I so refuse that, to go over that's, five. That's essentially why I do shout at you a little bit. And also, you know, the, the load on your body is a lot more when you run harder. Mm-hmm. So if you keep your load to a minimum, you're able to do more running, which is what it's all about, essentially. That's what strength training is all about as yeah. well, by the way. I mean, I want to mention it because. You know, a lot of runners say, oh, I've been doing my strength training. I'm feeling really strong. Like I can run up the hills a lot faster. And I'm just like, that's great. Probably not the strength training. The strength training is probably allowing you to train better when you're running. And because you're more mindful, you're activating the right muscles. So running has become easier. But it's not necessarily that, you are now a stronger runner. Strength takes time to build, but it's an indirect link. You become more efficient as a runner. Because you're more efficient, you're able to not break down your body as much so you can run more, so you get fitter, and that's how you improve. And then you don't pick up injuries, so you never spend time really delaying your progress. And if you continue on that process for months, years, that is how you get the most out of your body, and that's how you become best runner that you possibly can.
1: So, what are your easy runs done at? Five thirty.
0: So, I, I've, I'm sort of playing around between five and five thirty. Mm. So, I know that like a five for me is easy enough, but it's still I could go easier. And five thirty, I now would say it's super su- easy, super easy. Very relaxed. Uh, I could almost go back straight back to sleep the moment I finished that. And that's more of the time that I'd like to spend at. But it, it's not easy. I mean, it's something that I struggle with as well. Really? Yeah. I mean, I also enjoy running fast. There's this this perceived effort level that you feel when you run faster that you feel like you're going to get better because you're doing it. Yeah. But all the science shows that that is not the case. The case is… And you're a
1: very scientific guy.
0: Well… I love what I do. Uh, Orphology. Case in (laughs) point. (laughs) Look, I, I enjoy what I do and I try and find what is best for each individual. So I do read up a lot of things. I listen to a lot of other podcasts. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out the real answer to that. And one thing that I'm seeing is the more I'm reading, the more I'm researching, the harder that answer becomes to find. Because... The research points in many different directions, mm. but there's there's certain patterns that we see in elite runners, in newbie runners, in different schools of thought around the globe from different coaches. Essentially, that, that slower aerobic work is the work to do if you're trying to become a better long-distance runner, and that's what we're talking about,
1: yeah, essentially. Yeah, 100%. So I also wanted to chat quickly about a topic that I think is quite relevant with the build up to comrades, which is injury prevention. Obviously that also ties into, you know, strength training. I think a lot of strength training, as we know, is getting strong enough to prevent injuries because there's a difference between injury prevention and injury what would you refer to it as rehabilitation rehabilitation or dealing with the injury when it happens and dealing with the injury before it happens so preemptively and emptively yeah i think (laughs) postemptively so so
0: most people think about it postemptively if you (laughs) think 99 percent of runners think of it as (laughs) postemptively yeah so i mean the people that i see in my practice have probably been injured for a few months by the time that side They
1: are there because they are injured.
0: Yes, yes. There's very seldom people... Someone that, who walks in and says, I don't want to get injured. Yes. But having said that, the people that have picked up an injury in the past are the ones that understand that they need to do some element of preemptive work to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So I think there's an even split between the amount of people that don't know their bodies and pick up injuries and they need rehabilitation to help them. And the people that are doing prehab just because they know it's something that they're going to have to do. It's something that, you know, if you're going to run the amount of running that, you require to get to your certain goal, it's it's a given. You're going to have to strength train. You're going to have to activate those muscles. You're yeah. going to have to learn to manage your body. You're going to have to learn to listen to your body. And that's a common thing that it's it's hard because how do you listen to your body if you don't n- understand your body? So it's often something that people say, oh, you should listen to what your body's telling you. You know, if you've if you've sore there's a reason for why you sore, you should sort it out. But A lot of people just mix up that pain. What is a good pain? What is a bad pain? I'd say any pain that is long-lasting, so any longer than 24 hours after workout is potentially a bad pain. A pain that grows through a workout is a bad pain. Pains that you get up in the morning, they go away, telling you something but they're not necessarily bad pains probably pains that you can train through i remember when i first started getting coached by you i used to be
1: petrified to even mention like a a stiffness or a ache or a pain because your go-to word was stop running so is that still one of the, the the key points that you would that you would tell someone that you were coaching no
0: i think there's certain elements and certain certain injuries that do require you to stop running because because uh, runners
1: love running through the pain it's yes. like any
0: runner's motto is <laughs> run through the pain yes it'll, it'll all be okay yes but then the problem comes in if you've been running through the pain for two months and then you come through to my, <laughs> my office and i tell you not to run <laughs> you uh, have itv yeah look there's certain injuries that you can't run through yeah. If you run through them, you're going to hurt yourself more. You're going to set yourself back further. Take into account something like this, uh, you know, this comrade's training. If you're trying to train and you've got three months left. Now, imagine you pick up an injury tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that happened on the on
1: the build-up to one of our
0: marathons. Yes. So, you pick up an injury tomorrow. Now, how is that injury going to impact your training? It's going to impact it a lot. But. Are you going to continue with that injury, potentially trying to run through it and then get a month out of Comrades and be like, yo, I I actually can't do this. I need to take some time off and perhaps go into Comrades with this injury or are you going to take a month off now Sort the injury out properly, slowly progress, rather go in undercooked. I often say that to my runners, that's way better <laughs> yeah. than going in overcooked and injured For sure. and manage that injury properly. And I think injury prevention is something that it's, it's a discipline. You know, we all love to run, but as some of my patients will tell me, rehabilitation is their ticket to running. If they do the prehab work, if there's a wise words. If they do the, the prehab work, and you know, there's a lot of coaches and people out there that don't believe in in, in the strength and and the rehabilitation stuff. But I speak firsthand. I I see it on a day to day basis. That is most of my clients that I'm seeing at my practice, and the the improvement is almost hundred percent yeah i I can't i can't think of people that don't get some level of benefit from it
1: so so we know we know that side of it obviously biomechanics strength that prevents injuries etc etc but what would you say is there anything that you are like really wild by in in the sense that someone walks into your offices has an injury what what would you recommend to them is it rolling is it icing? Is it stretching?
0: Again, it's it's one of those answers that I'd have to say it depends on, on the injury. On the injury and, okay, so l- and the progression it- of the injury. Take so, ITB, a okay. very common one. Okay, so RTB is obviously due to the rubbing of your ITB on the outside of your knee. That's generally why it happens. We would say that it's an overuse injury. So most runners suffer from overuse injuries, injuries that happen due to small biomechanical indifferences that through period of time, through loading, 180 steps a minute for 14 hours a week of training, that becomes a big problem. Now, someone with a flared up RTB, depending on that stage, the potential there is you're gonna have to try and decrease your load. If not decrease it completely, decrease it a fair amount. And load can be whether it's it's training volume, so the amount of running that you're doing, uh the amount of time that if you're perhaps working uh standing on your feet, the amount of time you're spending on your feet, the amount of time that you're sitting driving. All of those things are elements that add to injury prevention. And, you know, as athletes, we look at injuries as something that happen, but they're stressors, right? So running is a stressor, but so is lack of sleep. So is a poor diet. So is ha- working. Running is a stress reliever. Yes, <laughs> stress reliever to your mind, perhaps, but it's a stressor to your body, right? So that stressor to your body, it's not the only stressor. And as athletes and individuals, we need to become better at dealing with all the stresses in our lives. As a bio, I look at all the other stresses in your life and how can we modify those to allow you to make the quickest recovery possible. But to go and give you a very brief answer, RTB, R-T-B yeah. I would focus on rolling the adductors, so the groin muscles. because
1: but, Yeah, okay, so quickly, cause, because I know the answer to this one. So a lot of people think that RTB is from your knee. Mm-hmm and then shooting downwards because that's where the pain
0: is yeah so the pain is on the lateral the outside of your knee just on the bone underneath the knee on the outside of the knee okay. That's generally where the main pain is But the ITB band extends all the way up to your hip All the way up to your hip It's actually the tendon of a muscle called your TFL Your tensor tentofascialate It's part of your, your gluteal group of muscles uh, So that's why it's actually very important To get the glute muscles firing Get them working correctly Rolling the TFL muscles uh, Rolling the ITB I don't find helps a lot Just because the ITB is a tendon just aggravates it It can aggravate it, it might relieve it, it's different in each individual, but it's a tendon. So essentially what are you doing when you're rolling you're trying to improve blood flow to an area. A tendon doesn't get good blood flow. So you're essentially rolling an area that doesn't have good blood flow anyway. So you'd rather roll and spend your time on areas that have good blood flow so you can get the relief. So if RTB is a biomechanical issue because your knee is collapsing inward, so you strengthen your glute to keep your knee out and then you roll the inner part of your thigh so your adductor to make sure that, you know, that all balances out. Then you look at other elements like your Running, perhaps your cadence, perhaps you're overstriding, all of those things matter, but that's longer in the run. Right now, you come in, RTB, I'd say, gotta ask that area, perhaps take a short course of anti-inflammatories and then work on the biomechanics slowly and try to diminish the load in the short term. And cortisone? Can't comment on that, Davy. No comment. <laughs> but generally speaking, cortisone will give you relief. Um I've done it before and did a diddly squat. No. I was still sore, so you probably would have found that your your progression of the injury was quite severe by then. So it it's all on a on a, on sort of a sliding scale, right? So if you're just starting to feel a niggle but then it goes away after a run and then, you know, next time you go run, you feel it a little bit more and over a month, you then start to feel the awareness throughout your day. That's probably the time that you're going to go and see someone like me to try to sort it out because you're going to think, oh, I'm just going to be able to work through this. If you had done it the month before when you first started feeling that niggle, it may have never developed into the injury that it now is for you to even think about getting the cortisone, right? And all the cortisone is doing is it's basically numbing that area so you're going to still run through all your biomechanical Correct. issues. Yeah. Once that cortisone wears off, you're probably yeah. going to be worse off and your rehab's going to take even longer. And a general rule of thumb for rehab, for anyone listening, I often say this to my clients, if you've had an injury or suffered an injury and you've been dealing with it for two or three months, it's probably going to take you the equal amount of time to get to a point where that injury is completely gone and you've moved past it fully. And it's sort of a tricky zone that you get to where you're not really in pain, but now you're managing yourself and you're trying to get to where you were before. And perhaps there was also training areas that caused the problem at first. So you need to understand that it's a slow progression. And again, the rehab is your ticket to being able to get there. So just because the pain is gone, it doesn't mean that you can now stop all the things that yeah. you've been given to do. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself back at square one very, very quickly. Yeah.
1: Okay. You heard it here first. Do not. Take- Cortisone, uh, Nick does not recommend it. Rather roll your leg or ice it.
0: Yeah, look, it, it definitely takes a little bit longer, but I often say if something takes longer, it's more long lasting as well. So, to sum up those points of the running gait number one, you want to make sure that your foot lands underneath your knee. The way that you can do that is through improving your cadence, so moving your feet faster. If you struggle with that, you can try to pump your arms a little bit faster and pull them a little bit faster. The second most important thing is leaning forward. The lean from the ankles, not from the shoulders. Shoulders? Not shoulders. Nose. Nose before toes. Nose in front of toes. Nose over toes. Nose over toes. That's the one. That's the one. And then thirdly, work on your strength work so that you can understand and get a great activation of your posterior chain muscles so that you get a perfect drive and become a lot more efficient with your whole running gait the last thing i want to just mention is that you know it's all good and well having all this data having an understanding of how to improve as a runner and having the right strength training behind running um but you know we're all human beings and human beings are all different yeah so Every single person is going to react differently to certain styles of training. They're going to find ways that might benefit them better. Yeah. Uh, so, as a coach, as a buyer, you know, as an athlete, you need you need to learn to understand and be able to listen to your body and take all those cues and figure out what works best for you. Yeah. And what would you say works best for you at this stage, Davey?
1: Um, at the moment, it's. I mean, I've seen really, really good results um, just from following a general program. Um, obviously, I really enjoy the eighty twenty model. I sometimes do, you know, think that I could do a few more harder efforts. I do obviously like running fast, so I think I would like a few more quality workouts. The strength has been really good. So for me, I
0: think. Well, I think, firstly. If Kapchogi can't handle more than two quality sessions a week, what makes you <laughs> think you can handle more? I, I would <laughs> love to do more. <laughs> so I think just on my side for you, what you could work on is really trying to get that speed a lot lower on your easy runs so that you can focus harder on the hard runs, building more resilience as an athlete in terms of your your psychology behind running so i know that having run with you you're a very strong mental runner and you know when someone just gets slightly ahead of you and you're not quite in the right frame of mind or the body is hurting you're likely to just quit and become the 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 photographer for the day
1: that's not true at all (laughs) are you kidding do you know how compared to i am come if they want to go past me
0: this guy, I've seen it happen many times well. No you have not
1: I think I had COVID <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had COVID
0: COVID is always an excuse for you <laughs> You had that excuse waiting I for that definitely. 116 You thought you had COVID as well At the end of a track session Davey is right behind you Then all of a sudden he just disappears And he's nowhere All of a sudden he comes around with his phone
1: Are you kidding?
0: <laughs> this is all rubbish This is all lies Don't, don't listen to them This is false information <laughs> So, yeah, let's let's work on that mental resilience, Davey. We'll have to do some, some mental coaching. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm insulted. <laughs> I'm joking, bro. It's a safe space. I know. And Nicola, what works for you? So, Davey, I find that um, consistency, I'd say, is what's worked for me the best. Consistency is key. Consistency is key. Number <laughs> one most important thing. I've just been prodding along for four years now. I've been consistently training. Getting lapped at, tra- at track by Dave. Um, I might get lapped, but we'll see what happens Comes Comrade's day, boy. Hey, this is a team effort, okay? <laughs> team effort. Every time we do a bloody long run, I end up running like 100 meters behind you. Like I can see you in the distance. I can't shout at you. Even when we went and ran that Kersney run, you just ran ahead and you stayed ahead. I could <laughs> see you the entire time. Because right to the finish line, but you just didn't want to run with me. What's I'm wrong with me? the
1: athlete. Me? You are the coach. And this is how it needs to be. There's a there's a picking order. Okay. Or Coach can't be in front of athletes, ever. Coach can aspire. Coach can aspire. Yes. Coach is
0: coming for me on Comrades Morning. We'll see what happens. (laughs) We'll see what happens. (laughs) I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. But yeah, (laughs) I'd say I've definitely been doing a lot of strength training. And when I say strength training, I've been focusing a lot on uh, squatting, deadlifting, and focusing on on heavy work. Because also, as endurance runners, we do enough endurance work. So... How come I don't do any... You don't come heavy to gym, bro. Work, okay. you don't come. Even if
1: I did, even if I came five days a week, I think you rig my gym system. That's what you do.
0: Now you accusing
1: me. I think you, you make me do bull. body weight stuff.
0: I want to do heavy squats. You need to come, you need to do the time. Next week. You need to ask your body, have you served enough time to warrant being able to do that? I've served the time. No, you're doing the crime. No, you have not. The crime of not you, training? You simply have not. <laughs> you have to be consistent that's one thing about strength training you lose your strength benefits very quickly so if you can perhaps get more consistent we can get you back onto the year of strong right now it's just the year of running <laughs> yeah well we can't all get what we want in life no for sure we we're juggling a lot of things we've got to prioritize that is
1: another thing guys life happens don't be so hard on yourself yeah if you if you have a goal and sometimes you need to reevaluate. just stay on path trying to achieve that goal um to the best of your ability
0: not a train smash
1: not a train smash hey i've learned this phrase it's the best not a nothing in life some things in life are a train smash but just just (laughs) nine times out of ten it's
0: not a train smash just go with it we'll end off on that positive note guys thank you for listening to us today
1: episode five episode of five Making of Making Runner. Runner. we do have some more exciting guests lined up we really can't wait get um those prospects into the studio some more inspiring stories some really really inspiring stories and thank you to everybody for just once again showing some some really good support uh we hope you guys are learning something nick's knowledge in the field is outstanding i don't know what i'm doing here i'm just trying to add in a bit of um, magic here and there uh but we really do appreciate you guys listening and we hope that you continue to listen because there is some good stuff coming in the next few episodes
0: and keep the positive feedback coming and if you've got anything negative save it for for Paul Nicholas don't say it (laughs) to me I'll blue tick you
1: not interested just joking thanks (laughs) guys cheers once again guys thank you so much for listening to another episode of Making a Runner If you enjoy this podcast, you can listen to it
0: on Spotify, Apple Music, and Radio Life and Style. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Making a Runner to follow the journey of our guests and our podcast and catch up on the latest news. Bye for now. Cheers, guys.